welcome to episode 88 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I am your host, Evan Riggs, joined this time by by all two of our other podcast producers and co-hosts. This is amazing. I've got my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer Johnny Pham, both in the house and not quite in person, but virtual tonight on this fine Wednesday evening. Dalton, how are you doing? Doing good. I think I'm sick and tired of the product the NFL is giving us for fantasy, but hopefully some bye week adjustments can get us back to the high scoring days of yonder. Yeah, I know, Johnny, you sent us the the very depressing cover two threads. It <laughs> feels like there's a lot of those going around right now. I know zone defense in the NBA isn't illegal, but it's very frowned upon. I think we should start treating cover two the same way. When teams run it, we frown upon them and we shame them. It's a little bit different because zone really doesn't work against the good teams very well. You've got to have a real, like, like the heat will do it every now and then, but you you just can't, you can't really do that against a good NBA team very consistently. So a little different, but I agree. Like the nuggets were playing a zone against the thunder earlier this week. And I was like, really? Like we're, we're playing a zone against the tanking thunder right now because Nikola Jokic can't stay in front of Trey Mann. That's what we're doing. So I'm with you on that. little basketball talk there. Also, to be <laughs> fair, the good teams are doing well against cover two. And when I say good teams, I mean the two. Yeah, I was going to say. Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. I was going to say, what do we have, like three or four good teams right now? But our job today, Dalton, is to try and find the best players on the good teams. And, of course, even, even the bad teams. Because we are re-ranking the top 24. Just as I pull up uh, a sleeper mock draft. To, and it has the pre-draft rankings. A lot has changed since before the season, and this top 24 is going to look much, much different than before the season, obviously. But first, a couple of news items before we jump into that. Uh, Jamison Williams, we've been pumping him the last couple weeks on the waiver show, so thought was worth mentioning that he's going to be out at least another month, is what Dan Campbell basically said today. Now, that would be invitation for DJ Shark to get back in the picture and be involved with DJ Shark on the IR. So I think we're going to one more time for Mr. Shark play the full drop before we officially put that one to bed until next season. Hey, this is somebody you guys don't tend to enjoy. His name is DJ Shark. He's relocated. I'm starting to add personal details to this. I think DJ Shark is going to have to relocate next year because Jamison Williams will eventually be back. I'll be curious if we learned anything uh, from his gameplay in the last six weeks. Dalton, any any takeaways you want to get off your chest uh, from all that? He's got a family. Guys. <laughs> the actual the actual news of of the weekend uh, bleeding into the beginning of this week is Brees Hall. Very sadly. Torres ACL, he is out for the season. And of course, there is fantasy fallout to that even before the trade because we have Michael Carter, who was a top 24 back if you looked at very early rankings, like pre-NFL draft rankings coming into the season. And then Brees Hall arrives and Michael Carter is kind of an afterthought pretty quickly into the season. Now, Michael Carter, very much relevant. And James Robinson, who was starting to become irrelevant in Jacksonville, now probably pretty relevant again. Trade to the Jets for, I believe, a conditional fifth round pick or a sixth round pick that could turn into a fifth yeah. round pick. Uh, so, Dalton, what what are the fantasy takeaways from obviously the Hall injury and now the trade where we are left with the backfield of James Robinson and Michael Carter? Well, I. At first, I thought it was like just an overall positive for Michael Carter, which there's no way to spin it that it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was looking into it, and if you take away Brees Hall's six longest carries of his very short career in the NFL, which go for 80, 60, 75, and 58, if you take those out of the Jets' offense, they're averaging 2.8 yards per carry. And I don't know if that same explosive tendency is going to be in that Jets' offense, and I think Michael Carter might be closer to like a good RB3 instead of like a high end RB2 for your team. 
and it might lead to more passing opportunities in this Jets offense because I mean, three weeks in a row, Brees Hall's long touchdowns put them in a lead where they were able to kind of grind the ball out and run it. And I just don't think Michael Carter has that same breakaway explosiveness that Brees Hall was was showing us. And James and, Robinson certainly doesn't. Right, and we know Robinson doesn't. He, he looks like himself, but he has never had that and will never have that. And that is a big reason why I think the Jags have, have gone or went to Travis Etienne pretty much full-time they claim they weren't shopping James Robinson because people were kind of throwing out well maybe that's why Robinson got one target and no carries was because they thought he could be traded Jaguars said it wasn't the case not that that matters anymore uh but with this I I I am with you that like I don't think we should be thinking of in either of these guys as a top like 15 type of running back I mean Michael Carter even with nobody else there I don't think would quite be that just because I still don't have a ton of faith in this offense with Zach Wilson, it would be better for Michael Carter when Joe Flacco was the quarterback because I know he would get more targets uh, game or what have you. <laughs> than, than he will with, uh, with Zach Wilson. But I think what we're probably going to see is Carter being the slight lead to a committee, the 1A to the 1B. If you're going to start either of these guys this week, it, it's definitely Carter maybe Robinson comes in and is effective from the jump, but it is so hard to know. And even with Christian McCaffrey, who he went to Stanford guys. So like he can learn the playbook pretty quickly. He, he was playing by the way, he, he was out there, but they were having to literally tell him where to go. Mm-hmm. And they were keeping it pretty basic for him out there. So just keep that in mind when you think of James Robinson this week, and even maybe, next week so in the short term carter is probably like a top 20 running back and i do think he could be like a fringe top 24 a low-end rb2 high-end rb3 type of guy and then robinson i do think will be a top 32 or so back he'll be in that flex conversation he'll be the dot the guy doing the heavy lifting between the tackles he'll get probably more goal line work than michael carter because I think that's why they wanted to bring in another guy because Michael Carter is a small guy. They don't want to get him hurt and give him the ball 22 times a game and 10 times between the tackles. I will be interested to see if they're able to keep their their pass rate so low and their rush rate so high without Brees Hall, who I think was just giving them another level to that game. And then if they do have to pass more, could be a lot of lost possessions because I do think I'm confident in saying Zach Wilson is not that guy. No, he's not. Maybe Elijah Moore will uh, come back because he now sees that he could maybe get more targets again. Or they'll just throw the ball in general. (laughs) Okay, Dalton, anything else? I guess we should, before we move on, touch on the Travis Etienne, because the the Travis Etienne side of this, because that probably is the more important side, even though it's the, the side that we obviously have clear answers to, because we know Travis Etienne is the back to own. In that backfield, there is no other back who is going to be fantasy relevant on a week-to-week basis in that backfield. But the bigger question is, what does this do for Travis Etienne's value? I've seen a lot of people just throw out the the RB1 descriptor when talking about Etienne and the fallout of this. And I just kind of think we're throwing that around a little too loosely. I think Etienne is going to be very good. He has been very good. But he has basically had that role as much or close to as much. He's going to have it the last three weeks. And he's been the RB11. So that's very good. And that is an RB1. But he is more like in the RB15, the 16 and points per game range right now. Because you've got guys with bye weeks who are factoring into to those ranks. I think that's probably his range. Like, 10 to 16 somewhere in there. I, I just don't think he's like a surefire top 10 back. Like it kind of feels like people want to say it's, it's just fun to want to get excited about something like this, about a, an exciting player who now has all of the opportunity in the world in front of him, but I'm just not quite there. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say about that is like the Jaguars offense is going back to not scoring points, which is really concerning 
for any fantasy backs like high value because you just need touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I think Leonard Fournette's like the RB five or six right now because he had a two touchdown game. Well, CH so is the RB twelve because he literally just keeps scoring touchdowns. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I, I know that sounds like really lazy analysis, but like if this offense isn't scoring touchdowns, ETN's never going to be high value no matter how good he is. And I'm a little concerned that they're they're just not good again. I, there was a little flash where they might have been. I just think they're missing some things still, and they're still a step away. I, I think they actually are pretty decent. They are just finding more ways than I've almost ever seen from an NFL team to lose games. Like Christian Kirk tackled on the one yard line uh, to end that game. ETM fumbled it through the end zone earlier that game uh, down near the goal line. Obviously there was a play where ETN, uh, did you see the double plat, the double pass yeah. play that they run where if ETN just literally doesn't slip, he probably gets 40 yards. Uh, at least on on that play they had it blocked up real nicely in front of them and then there was another play like a reverse to I can't remember who where I don't even I don't even I remember what happened but it, he got like it was actually right before they got stuffed on the QB sneak because it was like how did he not get that first down and then they ended up not getting the first down and turning it over and they lost the game by what Six points after all that. So the I Los think Angeles Jaguars. They kind of are like the the Chargers uh of of the South right now. Uh okay. But do you still do you still agree though that he's probably like a top 10 to 16? Like he's gonna be in that 10 to 16 range. He's just probably not in that top 10, like that truly elite range, or are you even lower on than that? I think that's a good area to slot him into. I until I do want to see whether or not. Snoop Connor or Jermichael Hasty work into it before I'm even willing to put him in that top 12 range just with with the possibility either those guys get some more work. And they probably should. ETN is he's bigger than Michael Carter, but not by a ton. And he's probably not a guy you want to give 25 touches to every game and 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 break him. I, I would want to be a little more cautious. And he doesn't need he doesn't need 25 touches to be effective. He is so explosive. He could rip off a big play at any time. He just needs to hold onto the ball and catch the ball when it's thrown to him, and, and he will score more fantasy points than he than he has thus far. Okay, anything else before we get into these rest-of-season ranks here, Dalton? That's all I got. All righty. As I mentioned off the top, we are doing a top 24. The way this is going to work is I am just going to – I hope I'm sharing the right screen. Yep, there we go. I'm going to share uh, a sleeper draft. We're going to keep track of it on here. Dalton and I are going to go every other and and pick, and we're going to have a co-top 24 at the end of this. If you're listening, check your show notes. Johnny will make sure that the full list is in there, and you can go and, and look at that since you obviously can't follow along on YouTube if you're listening on the podcast app. And Dalton, you've got number one pick. Uh, you you want it right. I, I just mixed that up. You want number one? I don't recall, but I'm more than happy to pick number one. I really um, don't ever remember. I asked you, and then I don't even remember. I think you – maybe you said number – I don't know. He said you want two. number one? He said two? All right. I'll take number one. I'm taking Saquon Barkley number one. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like we're – it's not like we're drafting these teams to play. So, it's – uh, it is what it is. Oh, God. I'm going to have to, like, manually set every single one of these guys. This is going to be a fun time. So – oh, God, that was loud. Uh with Saquon Barkley, I think he might be the offensive player of the year if the season ended today. Like he he's been that good. The Giants are what six and one. And the only way I can come up with if they're six and one besides their defense making timely plays is Saquon Barkley is just an alien. I think he's been the most electric player in football so far. The ACL is, is further and further behind him, and it is showing on the field. Every like The play he had last week, you've probably seen the clip on Twitter if you're listening to this show, where he gets the handoff and immediately makes a cut to make a guy miss and look foolish in the backfield. Made another cut later in the run and picked up like 30 yards. He's been above 80% snap share in all but one game. He's approached 30 touches a few times, top 70 yards every week of the season. He's been over 100 scrimmage yards in five of seven weeks. He only has four rushing touchdowns like that could go up and he even had, you know, he has more room uh, for improvement there. So I just think Saquon has been as good as it gets so far this season. And there is even still, still room to improve. Yeah. To start the year in May, Saquon was a fifth round pick on underdog. And I hope a lot of you have cashed out on that. And 
I mean, at one point, this team was running wildcat because they were out of quarterbacks three weeks ago, and Saquon was still being efficient with his touches. And like you were saying, he still hasn't even really had a lot of his big runs. Like, they they haven't bottled him up by any means, but he's been really efficient with eight, nine-yard carries. But there's going to be a game where he breaks two off for long touchdowns, and he's really going to solidify his value. And that entire offense just runs through Saquon. He's probably the best receiver on the field, and he's certainly yes. their best running back by a mile. And Daniel Jones is playing good enough that it's not hampering Saquon's value. Yep, absolutely agreed. Uh, Dalton, number two, this is – I think Saquon is – I haven't looked at anybody else's rankings, but I would bet Saquon's a pretty popular 1-1 for rest of season ranks right now, but I would guess people have a lot of different number twos. Yeah. And I know probably the most popular one here is Austin Eckler and I'm not doing that. Um, Question. <laughs> since we both been our own top 24s, is Austin Eckler in your top 24? Yes. Is he not in yours? He's not in my top 24. <laughs> He's like the RB three. That is wild <laughs> from you. Hey, he had like, what do you have? Like five catches and scored a touchdown when it didn't matter the other day. He's done a lot of garbage time, you know, from my Wolf Fuller. Uh, past how I feel about guys who are producing so much in garbage time. And plus, I, I mean, we, we've addressed our concerns with Eckler. Maybe the deal is I just don't have that. I only have like 10 running backs in my top 24. So I'd be, you know, I'm saying he's like my RB, like 11, which I don't think is probably that much different than what you think. But yeah, well, a lot of the top 24s I saw had him like two. Oh, but... I'm sure. I'm sure. So welcome to Half Point for Podcast. We hate Austin <laughs> Eckler. Who's your number two? <laughs> I loved him last year, but not this year. Uh, I I think it's Cooper Cup. It, it pretty much has to be for me. Uh, there, there is there has never been a more putrid offense to watch than the Rams, in my opinion. But they just like Matt Stafford hyper targets Cooper Cup. He's on track to break last year's targets. This offense and defense are playing horribly, and the only way they get anything down the field is a throw to Cooper Cup, and he somehow, just like Travis Kelsey, is inexplicably open on every play. He is already on pace to set the NFL record in targets and catches. (laughs) He hasn't had any major blow-up games, but he's also had a 16-target game. They're, they're just he's one game away from like one 70-yard touchdown where he scores 40 fantasy points because Matt Stafford will not look anywhere else. And if you're in a PPR league, I probably put him at number one because of the opportunity for him to catch 15 balls in a game. Yeah, if it, if it, if it's PPR, he has a real argument. Uh, I have him at three, but I I think the argument is obviously very sound. I have two and three. I think are a coin flip. Um, he's the wide receiver too, even with his bye week already happening this last week. He's at 20 points per game. Um, his volume. I mean, you mentioned it. You mentioned a 16 target game. The dude also has a 19 target game this season, and the, he has the yards to back it up. I mean, he he's only. I, I think he's fourth in the NFL in targets with his bye week already occurring. Just just to give an idea, if you're looking at targets per game, the only guy he's behind is DeAndre Hopkins, who has played one game. So it's not like it, with it's 14 not, targets. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a sample size that you can. So Cup is essentially leading the NFL in targets per game. Not a surprise if you watch the Rams for any length of time, you come away thinking literally all they can do is throw at the Cup. So everything you said is valid, but. For me, the tiebreaker between two and three is the offenses, and that's why I have Stephon Diggs at at number two overall and my number one receiver. I, I just think the Bills are such a good offense, and I've gone over my Gabe Davis concerns on last week's show. It is Stephon Diggs who is getting all of that volume uh, this year as I scroll and try and find – I really should have put Johnny in this draft and made him manually do this. Um the thing with Diggs is he has the cup consistency, but he has bigger blow-up potential because that offense is just so good that that's the separator for me. He's been over 100 yards five times, never below 62. He has seven or more receptions in all but one game. I remember the issue with Diggs last year was the blow-up games, like weirdly weren't there. that there And it wasn't really anything specific. It, it just sometimes doesn't work out. Touchdowns are random and just sometimes – it doesn't work out, but he's already had multiple blow up games this season. He is the wide receiver one. He is at 21 points per game. He has been awesome. I expect him to continue being awesome because he is great. The quarterback is great. The offense is great. You cannot go wrong with either of these guys, but I think Diggs is as safe as it gets at receiver the rest of the way. 
Yeah, I think the differentiator for me was just Cooper Cup's target volume is mm-hmm. insane. And I, I kind of like that safer floor. Not that Diggs disappears, but he his Baltimore game wasn't, you know, the, the best game you want on a wide receiver. Yep. Uh, you know, for me at four, in spite of the trade and everything else going on around him, I think it's actually one of the few times you see a running back get traded and you feel better about it. But it is, like I haven't put on our list, Christian McCaffrey. He's my four as well. Great. Uh I think the situation's a huge increase. I think even if his volume goes down, the quality of touches is going to increase. Mm -hmm. He was featured in a pretty good role for being on that team for three days, as they would not let us forget about on Sunday. Uh, He came out of it with 12 total touches. He looked pretty good in those touches. Kyle Shanahan, especially post-buy, is going to be able to integrate him more successfully. I, like everybody else on this planet, am excited to watch them put McCaffrey into the slot and motion Debo into the backfield and just see how defenses handle things like that. And most importantly is he now has a quarterback who is more than happy to check down whenever yeah. it comes. Well, and, and, and it really, if you're looking for a piece to help this offense, like get the best pass catching back in the NFL, uh, because if there's one thing Jimmy can do it's throw it not to the sticks, to the line of scrimmage and let his running back try and get to the sticks. And that is what McCaffrey can do. I think, so for me, I feel pretty equally, like pretty equal about McCaffrey now as I did before. I, I just think the way he gets there is going to look a lot different. It had to be volume in Carolina because their offense was so bad. He had to have eight catches a game to to truly lift him to that top two, three, four player. Now he can definitely do it on less volume because he's got a good offensive line. He fits great in this running scheme. And I mean, I love Debo. I love Ayuk, and I love Kittle, but McCaffrey is the best weapon now on this offense, I think. And those other guys are going to suffer and not him. And uh, Matt Waldman, who we both really respect his opinion on things basically said in a piece I read today that the upside for McCaffrey is pretty much prime uh, Marshall Falk because he he is as close to Marshall Falk as anything we've seen since Falk retired. And now he's in a good offense, uh, not as good as the Rams back in the day, but you get the drift. So I think that upside still has to be baked into to the rank as well. So four, honestly, like because of that might feel a little bit low, but it is a new situation with a lot of very talented guys. So I, I think four is about right. Yeah, and then the last thing I'll add is this is kind of like Saquon Barkley coming into the season where there's so much talent there, he's just going to outproduce where he's at right now. Mm-hmm. It It is very possible. Okay, number five, I'm curious. This is probably where we we differ, but we'll see. How do you feel about Nick Chubb? Where where did you have him on, on your ranks? Uh, I do have one running back above him. Okay, so I have Nick Chubb at number five overall. Good Lord, he was low in ADP. Probably like fancy MVP right now. Nick Chubb going mid mid-second round pre-draft. I think I, the next guy might be fantasy. This is going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> I, I don't know what more you could ask of Nick Chubb so far. He's the RB2, averaging like 19 points per game through seven weeks, despite retaining a pretty similar role to years past that had me so frustrated that I had a five-minute Nick Chubb rant before the season and lowered him a couple spots in my running back ranks, not because of him, because of the role. He's just been so freaking good, it hasn't mattered. Like, the rushing volume is excellent, as always. It's not Saquon Barkley. It's not what Josh Jacobs has been so far this season from a rushing volume perspective. And, you know, Nick Chubb only has nine receptions in seven games. So he's not had any kind of uptick in that regard. We've always said, though, that there is nothing keeping Nick Chubb from a crazy touchdown season. It just hasn't happened yet. Well, so far, he has eight rushing touchdowns in seven games, and it really feels like he can score a touchdown every single week, and it really feels like he could end up at, like, 20 total touchdowns this season. He's been over 110 rushing yards four times, only below 80 once. He is the best pure rusher in the NFL. Please trade Kareem Hunt so he can move up higher on this list. Yeah, that would be great for him if they traded Kareem Hunt. That's the reason why he's behind the guy I have above him is there is still just frustrating usage concerns. Mm-hmm. At one point in last week's game, I watched Nick Chubb drag them down to the one-yard line, and then I watched Kareem Hunt come into the game, which is just – it's been a trend for the last few years. It, it was like a – it was a long Chubb run, right? Yeah. 
you know, Hunt only had five carries the other day, and two of them were on a drive where they very clearly were going to have to punt because they got put behind the sticks. So Hunt had a had a pretty disappointingly weird day besides the touchdown. But neither here nor there. The concerns of of Hunt are obviously still very valid. Yeah, and I still just I do. I know Jacoby Brissett will eventually not be the quarterback, and Deshaun Watson will be there, and he is better than Jacoby Brissett. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm not really too willing to give this offense a major bump with Deshaun Watson having not played football for so long. Mm-hmm. And I know it was preseason, but his one preseason game, he didn't complete a pass. Yeah, I was gonna say we. Terms. I, I kind of need to see it. Not that I don't think he probably will be good, but before, like you said, before we give a huge bump to this offense, kind of need to see Watson come back and and be really good because it was pretty bad in the preseason okay so your number six is it the next running back or are we are we going it is the next running back it's josh jacobs really Um, i can't believe you have josh jacobs higher than me this is unbelievable i know that's why i was surprised i had him this high um he leads the nfl right now in carries of 10 plus yards which is a great metric just for evaluating future fantasy performance his first three weeks were lackadaisical they weren't the greatest but those were the only three weeks he saw under 70 percent a snap share. Mm-hmm. He has clearly eclipsed whatever Brandon Bolden may be in this offense. And I think that that's just really important for the pass catching upside. This he's, on, he's, he's on pace for 57 receptions right now. Yeah. And you add that with like the big play potential we've always thought Josh Jacobs had coming to fruition. I'm really excited that this offense can continue to do it. Coming out of the bye, he's still RB4. He has three straight games of over 25 points, two of them over 30 points. He's been over 140 rushing yards in every one of those games, too. Yeah. And I mean, he still gets Jacksonville on, he gets Jacksonville and Seattle and the Chargers, all three teams that have horrific rush defenses. Yep. I really like the idea of what he could be this season, um, despite all of the offseason chatter, his, you know, his fifth year not getting picked up. Uh, they draft another running back to come in there. Josh McDaniels is our running back by committee king coming from New England. <laughs> and despite all of that, he's overcome it. And the panic of Josh Jacobs weirdly getting carries and whatever. In the they, Hall of Fame game. Yeah, the, game. The, the Hall of Fame game. Uh, so this is kind of why the crutch argument thing is just a tough, tough way to make a living before the season because you could have made the argument that he's getting phased out. You could have made the argument that they're going to run him into the ground. And so far they are taking the latter approach. They are running him into the ground. I, I will say my one concern is I would like them to give the, him the ball a little bit less because this has been a guy with injury concerns his first couple of years and concerns like the type of injury concerns that have really torpedoed fantasy teams because he oftentimes plays through those injuries and does not play well and will hurt your team because you feel like you need to start him. Um, when he's out there. So that's really the main concern for me right now is let's keep this guy healthy because he is having an awesome year. And I know the Raiders have major cap issues right now. I am still curious if they regret not picking up that option, but hey, I'm, I'm happy to be the lower uh, of the two on Jacobs. <laughs> he's, he's been my guy since the inception of this podcast. And at number seven here, I'm going back to a receiver. I'm going Justin Jefferson. It was a little bit uneven to start the season, but he's back to wide receiver five, even though he's already had his bye week and had two bad games. He has been that explosive in his other games this season. Speaking of 140, he's been over 140 receiving yards three times. Like there might not be he and Jamar Chase or 1A, 1B as far as just explosion from a fantasy football perspective so far this season with Tyree Kill being like right right with those guys as well but not much to say on jefferson it's pretty much all the same stuff we touted for him before the season he's awesome the situation is pretty good could be better but pretty good the team is passing the ball more it seems like this season and he is one of the best three receivers in the nfl yeah and you know the only annoying thing about it is like he seems to disappear in a couple of games and i think the disappearing acts are directly due to quarterback play mm-hmm. and it's the only reason cup and Diggs are above him on this list is his quarterback either one in stafford's case doesn't over target him to a fault or two isn't josh allen and throws absolute deep bombs that are beautiful <laughs> uh and that's that's what's frustrating i think he's still close to on pace to breaking the receiving record this season despite two games under 80 yards and I mean, it's just going to be more good days for him. I hope Kevin O'Connell 
continues to move him in space. I know a couple of weeks we've kept him out of motion. Yep, definitely with you. Who's your who's your next guy? Uh, you know, and I I thought about this one hard, and I might have him a little higher, but I I took Travis Kelsey at eight. Wow. Right now he's ten overall in scoring in, in out of all players that includes quarterbacks. And there is no positional advantage right now in fantasy football higher than the one Travis Kelsey is giving you. He's the only tight end to not have a game in uh, single digits in PPR scoring. Obviously, he has the four-touchdown game. The Chiefs offense runs through him, and Patrick Mahomes trusts him in all of his situations. Uh, There's such a large advantage in fantasy football to starting a tight end and outscoring your opponent's tight end weekly and knowing that that's a start and forget I just don't think you can get that advantage out of any other player. And for him to be, I think he's the wide receiver three in scoring right now. Yeah. If you just do that, yeah. uh, granted. Actually, wide receiver two overall, wide receiver four in points per game is where he yeah. would be at right now. So, I mean, I still think even without, if you put him at wide receiver, he would be up here. I think the tight end moniker always pulls him down a little bit. And this Chiefs offense, if they come out of the bye and they look like they did against San Francisco, having – the number one pass catcher on that could be really valuable going yep. into the rest of your fantasy season. The only, I have Kelsey a little bit lower. I have him at 15, but I think this range of like basically eight through about 15 or 16, I'll say eight through 16 is, is very close. I would be fine with almost any order, quite frankly, in this range. I, I think the only potential knock on Kelsey is we've started to see the receivers get more involved. The MVS, and Juju and McCole Hardman and you know Sky Moore probably still to come. Maybe Kelsey takes just like the teeniest of steps back because he he's been unreal to start this season. I mean he's averaging or he's at thirty more points than the tight end to Mark Andrews right now. Maybe the receivers get more involved. Kelsey can take just a tad bit of a step back, but that's really it. Like, like Kelsey's awesome. Not not a whole lot more to. To say there, and then you know, number seven. I I knew that number seven on my list, number nine on here. I knew I was going to be higher on Jonathan Taylor than you. I just knew it based on our bet. I still have Taylor at seven. I know he's been one of the biggest disappointments so far. If you draft him at one, you have not been pleased. He had a great week one, and then he is either because of injury or just not playing great, has not given you the weeks that you drafted them for last week when he, his first week back from injury, he goes 10 for 58 rushing. He had seven receptions, but it was for a very Najee Harris, like 27 yards last week. So I just have faith in the player. I know the culture in flux right now was Sam uh, Ellinger Ellinger now at quarterback over Matt Ryan. I just don't think it can get much worse than it was for this offense. Uh, maybe I'm more concerned about it from a Michael Pittman perspective than a Jonathan Taylor perspective. I still think Taylor's going to be awesome down the stretch. We have to remember he started out slow this season. And I, I just do have, I have faith in him to, to get it figured out to the two of a top 10 finish. Yeah, I have him down at 16. So I'm definitely lower than you on him. Part of my concern with Jonathan Taylor is there's nothing here to help him out right now in Indianapolis. His offensive line is playing as a bottom 20 unit right mm-hmm. now in the NFL. Pass blocking's bad. Uh, maybe Sam Ellinger is an, an improvement over Matt Ryan, but it's just really hard for me to envision how that works out in his favor. Never going to knock a guy on the injuries, but they could just put eight guys in the box right now and dare them to pass the ball, and they're not getting it done. Mm-hmm. A lot of mental mistakes from every receiver not named Pittman on this team. The Colts are second in the NFL in drops right now, and I think all of that just leads to teams really game-planning for Jonathan Taylor, and I, I Frank Reich has just not been able to get him going either. Uh, those are really where my concerns land, uh, not knocking the talent. I just I think there are other talented players who are probably taking over him, which leads me right into my 10, which mm-hmm. is very obviously – Jamar Chase, um, kind of a frustrating season, to be honest, if you're a Bengals fan or if you're a Jamar Chase owner. It's been so incredibly up and down for this team, and he's incredibly talented. We saw what the high-end upside of this team is last week where Joe Burrow goes absolutely insane. But Jamar Chase's usage and routes run are still something that leaves a lot to desire, and it's why he – 
you know, is the fourth wide receiver off the board for me. I don't know where you have him. Mm. Uh, he's running more deep and go routes this season than he did last. It seems like Zach Taylor is finally learning after the first three weeks not to come out of under center plays, and he's only running out of shotgun, which has helped the offense grow. But I, I just want more Jamar Chase intermediate routes. Eventually, game planning is just going to be straight cover two all game, and I can see Jamar Chase losing out to both Boyd and Higgins in these situations. And I just – I still have some concerns, but definitely still a very talented player, and I'm still taking him highly. I think he's just going to be more sporadic than the three we have in front of him. Yeah, and I have him in 11, and the reason why I don't have him higher is pretty much all of the same stuff. You mentioned it's been frustrating. He's had three blow-up games and then three games where you know, you'd be fine starting him, but as a flex, not as a top 12 overall player, which is what you drafted him for. So. It's been up and down. They've been great the last two weeks. He's been great the last two weeks. But it's the Falcons. It's the Saints. I, I, I love seeing them play well because it was so bad that you just wanted to see them get back on track. But I don't have total faith that they have like rediscovered last season quite yet. So that's that's my hesitance with Chase as far as having him higher than this. But I'm with you. He's still he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. And Joe Burrow even though he has struggled at times this year, is still a very good quarterback. This offense should be good. And the other thing, you mentioned Higgins. Higgins has had kind of a similar start to last season where he was banged up and in and out of the lineup. And it's been been that this year too. So if Higgins can stay healthy down the stretch this year like he did last year, perhaps he eats into the Jamar Chase workload. Just a tad. So I'm with you. I love Chase, and I like him at about – this spot as well. And I've got his teammate, Joe Mixon. Uh, I actually have him ahead of Chase, but I, I have Mixon as our next guy on the board here. And I had Mixon as a regression candidate last week. He goes out, you know, has, I believe, 75 to 80 ish total yards, scores a rushing touchdown. It was solid. It wasn't like an explosion, but you're happy with 16 fantasy points out of any running back anytime you can get it. And I, I just think there's going to continue to be more productive days ahead for Joe Mixon. You mentioned the running out. The shotgun's been great for the offense. It's been great for him because he's not running against heavy boxes all the time. So I like Mixon. I like him inside uh, the top 12 rest of season, even though it's been not the smoothest ride in the world. Yeah, I like Mixon there too. Again, even in a game where the receivers really took over that and Joe Burrow, Mixon was able to get his and get his points. He's going for a career high in receptions, which is something you definitely want to see. And if they continue to run him out of shotgun, like you said, not under center, it's going to be a lot more efficient for that offense to get things done. Related to Mixon, we've just got a PPR uh, trade ask. Uh, Full PPR, Joe Mixon for Amon Ra, St. Brown, and Jacoby Myers. Uh, Which side of this trade would you land on, Dalton? Depends where I'm at as a team. I'm a little concerned about the health of Amon Ra, St. Brown. Um, but full PPR, Jacoby Myers is also a home run. I'd probably, if I had backs that were serviceable, do the trade. Uh, when healthy, we've seen what St. Brown is possible. He was the wide receiver one through three weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was scoring 30 points a game, eight-plus targets in every game. He's been healthy this season and dating back to last in like week 12. So I want that player. The Lions suck. The Lions score a lot of points on offense, let up a lot of points on defense. And without DJ Chark and with Jamison Williams not coming soon, if he's healthy and playing, he could be, you know, a 10, 12 target a game guy. Honestly, if if you're on the receiving I, on the receiving end of this trade and you're trading away Mixon, I would prefer to replace Jacoby Myers for a cheap running back instead. Just because I'm assuming if you're trading away Mixon, unless you are just like 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 Dalton said, if you are stacked at running back and you're in trouble at receiver, then that's that's a perfectly reasonable trade. I think in a vacuum, I would still rather have Mixon rest of season than this package. Though I I like if you love St. Brown, I I don't think you can go too wrong on either side of this deal. But that's my two cents there. Okay, Dalton, uh, you're up next, number twelve. Yep, this one's probably the highest. I I don't know if you even have him in your top twenty four. Uh, but I couldn't really get around it. It's Kenneth Walker. Oh, yeah, he's in my top 24. Okay, good. I am completely enamored with Kenneth Walker right now, but he can't catch passes. Turns out that doesn't matter. Um, you got to buy into the Seahawks offense, and I think you can buy it a little lower than other people because there's still a Geno Smith-led offense, and that leaves people to be reticent. 
over the last two weeks. Uh, Kenneth Walker is the leader in rush yards per game with 276. Second is Kenneth Walker after contact with 200 rushing yards. He's been absolutely absurd. He gets into the end zone. He's doing everything we saw him in college. It's directly translated to the NFL. And we know post-rookie buys for running backs especially is a huge gold mine in fantasy. He hasn't had his buy yet. Charles Cross, by the way, the lineman the Seahawks drafted, absolutely is having a great start to the season. Their pass blocking is better than it's been in multiple years, probably in part because Russell Wilson isn't holding the ball for an hour. Um, but everything about Seattle is pointing upwards, and I'm willing to buy into that, especially knowing they get to play the Cardinals again. You know, they're getting to play some of those NFC teams who I don't think are that good right now. Yep. Dalton, would you like that Joe Mixon trade more if it's Pacheco instead of Jacoby Myers coming back? I, I, I know I would. Yeah, I would. And I see you have Walker, Khalil Herbert, and Etienne. So I definitely like the idea of getting Pacheco back, getting Amra, and then shelving Joe Mixon. Yep. Um, on Kenneth Walker, you're higher on than me, but love Kenneth Walker rest of season. For all the reasons we've talked about the last couple of weeks, really, this was a very, very, very good prospect who is an excellent pure rusher. The offense is still humming with Geno Smith, and he is – an RB one talent getting an RB one workload. Like that's a great combination. So you, you can't really go wrong with Kenneth Walker uh, rest of season. And I, I guess I've just taken all the old guys uh, with this and I can't believe I have to be the one uh, to do this, but I got to take Derrick Henry at this point. Uh, the Titans are still somehow the Titans. Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. He's the RB seven right now. He plays the Texans this week, which is the last three times I've played has been 200 plus yards running the ball. So he has potentially the chance to be like the RB two after this week, <laughs> depending on how things go, but you, you just can't deny it. Derek Henry is still really good. The Titans are still hanging around in every game. That's not the bills. And you, I mean, Derek Henry is a top 12 type of guy right now. Yeah. I understand putting him here. Uh, I just, the underlying metrics, I went and looked at it again. He's still averaging a career low in yards per carry. Mm -hmm. He's averaging a career low in separation after getting into the secondary. He's still facing a lot of eight-man boxes. It's the Titans. They're going to give it to him. He's going to eat his. I just feel like the drop-off is there and coming. And if the Titans are a smart team, eventually they're going to know they're not going to win this season. And Derrick Henry probably plays all season no matter what because his career is going to end in Tennessee. I just feel like there's still a substantial drop-off that this offense could have, which is why I have some guys above him. And I just feel like he's not the same big dog he used to be. And he's a little overinflated with his touchdown totals in spite of how he's played on the ground as a running back. Yeah, and you can probably he's probably a good sell high guy. Like I, I like him as a as obviously a top top twelve guy, but if you can sell him for a guy like you could probably trade him for Josh Jacobs, and I would do that if, yeah. if you're getting Jacobs back for him. So I'm with you on the concerns, but at some point, this has been my Derrick Henry thing for the last four or five months now. Just got to tip your cap and until the wheels fall off. You just got to keep believing because he is still the RB7, despite what any fake number says, Dalton. Who's your next guy? <laughs> any fake number says. That is <laughs> that is true. Uh, my next guy is Tyreek Hill. Um Gonna need a little curl on this one because I I the deep targets are still there. He actually has more deep targets here than he did all of Kansas City last season. They don't look as pretty as they do from Mahomes. He is fourth in the league in receiving yards, fourth in the league in receptions. He's getting targeted all over the field in every way. They're using him uh, exactly how you want an elite receiver to be. Used. He, he he has ten or more targets in all but one game, and he only has two touchdowns right now, and he's still the wide receiver three. Yeah. I feel like I still, you know, it's still early in the year and I still have a lot of questions about this Miami offense. They've managed to keep the ball moving. They've managed to make it work with Waddle and Hill and Hill's definitely the guy outperforming Waddle. Hill's performed with three different quarterbacks. It's very clear that Mike McDaniels knows what he has and he's willing to use him however he needs to, to get the ball to him. I can see people justifying him being even higher because that low touchdown total definitely is going to probably have a positive regression in the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. I am still scared ranking in this high. I don't know about you. I'm just not really 
I watch the Dolphins play, and then I look at the box score after, and I'm like, I don't know how these two add up. Like, the way they play just isn't the same. The Baltimore game, for instance, they came back in that game, and it still feels like, you know, they never should have. They never should have been in that game, and it's one mm-hmm. of those that Baltimore just let them back in. Yeah, I mean, I have Tyreek Hill a little bit higher than than this spot still, and he just, like, he's just so good, man. Like, I talked about it with, with Johnny last week. I wish you were here to to let me rub it in your face how good he's been uh, last week, but... If you want to buy Tyree Kill, this is probably your last chance before the trade deadline because he's going to play the Lions this week, and there is a very possible explosion on deck uh, for that. But no, I just I, I think Tyreek is one of the best three receivers in the NFL. You said it, they're get, they are force feeding him the ball, and you force feed Tyree Kill the ball, he is going to produce no matter how you get him the ball. He's going to put up numbers, and the touchdowns are. I, I I'd be surprised if he finished the year with four touchdowns just because he can score four 50 yard touchdowns in any given season. So the touchdowns are, are going to go up, I yeah. think. And uh, my next guy, see, I, I hate that you made me take the two guys that I don't feel great about, but just kind of felt like I had to rank them where I ranked them. And that's Dalvin cook. It's been, you know, I, I mentioned this with Aaron Jones last week. It's been kind of the Aaron Jones syndrome and that's not been a great season, but the numbers are still there. He's the RB 16. He's averaging 13 and a half points per game. And he has, he's has bye week So he's higher than, than the RB 16 in all reality, but he's not getting the passing game involvement, but he still hasn't had the rushing game blow up yet. He hasn't got to a hundred yards. Now he's been at 90 a couple of times and he's had two touchdowns in a game, but I still think Dalvin cook is awesome. And I honestly have always thought Madison is overrated and that Dalvin Cook is going to keep getting the lion's share of the running back work on this team. Like, I don't know. It's tough to make a great argument for Cook being here other than I just think he's still one of the most talented running backs in the league and he's going to get right a little bit down the stretch. Yep, I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, the, The only thing I'll say in addition to this, and it's the same reason Jefferson's a little lower, is this offense still, you don't feel like they fully clicked, but it is a first-year head coach. They're mm-hmm. coming out of their bye. We could see this offense figuring things out a little more and players knowing where they're supposed to be on offense, and that could be a major gainer for Dalvin Cook, especially with, I think, the receptions are still to come for him. Mm-hmm. Hopefully so, because it's it's very it's basically like Nick Chubb almost right now. All right, who's, who's your next guy? I feel like you and me are just having a staring contest with this player. Um <laughs> But I mean, it's Austin Eckler. I got he like he has he's, to. I, be I told you he's he's not in my top twenty four. I know so. that I, that's insane. Um, he probably is like first or second guy like in in the next step. You know he is on pace for one hundred twenty nine receptions or something crazy. Ian Harditz tweeted out today. Love on pace numbers. His touchdown total is probably on pace to be like forty. If I just had to guess <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, the, my nightmare scenario for the Chargers in the preseason is kind of coming to fruition, which yeah. is all of their guys get injured. And, uh, and, and, and Eckler is just managing to score touchdowns and yes. have high volume in the passing game. That, that, that's how he's getting by right now. Yeah. And with Mike Williams being out four weeks, uh, Keenan Allen trying to play and not really playing, which seems to be a thing of his career. Uh, just, I really feel like Eckler is going to continue to get this high target share Keenan Allen, for what he is, he's not the red zone guy. Mike Williams is definitely that role. Mike Williams is going to be out for a while. I can see Eckler continuing to eat into that. And there, there's just nobody behind him doing the work I expected them to do. You know, I really thought Isaiah Spiller was going to be better. Maybe in a couple of weeks he might see some playing time. Mm-hmm. But Sony Michelle is the only guy behind him. The work's there. And I hate ranking guys high who are making a lot of their living off of touchdowns, but it's burned me for so many years. With and, gar- and garbage time because that's, yeah. that, that is where he's gotten a lot of it too. To be well, I think the Chargers might be seeing a lot of that. Yeah. And, goes on. and, you know, he, he played the Browns and that the Browns, I think I read this in the athletic from the Chargers beat writer. That's the only game the team has had more than 65 rushing yards. And that looks like them taking advantage of the worst rushing defense in the NFL, not anything the Chargers are doing. I, you know, we're, we're, we're just having a weird day today. Cause I can't believe I have to rank AJ Brown before you do uh, on the board. I've got AJ Brown at 14 overall. So happy to put him here at this point. It's a little bit of a leap of faith because he's been good, but not great so far this season. He's 13th in points per game. So he hasn't quite lived up to, to this ranking yet, but 
everybody knows my only issue with him before the season was the quarterback. And that really doesn't feel like it's going to be much of an issue. He's been solid, but we, we know the explosion weeks are coming with AJ Brown because they, they always do. He has one game of 20 points, but that's the only time he's reached 20 this year. He's only at two touchdowns. Like, like with Tyree kill, there's just, there's a lot of meat on the bone for one of the most explosive players in AJ Brown. I think he's going to have a big rest of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Concern for me, and I, I had him ranked pretty highly to item at 16, so it's not like this This is basically right where I wanted him. Mm-hmm. Um, concern for me is the Eagles just won't stop leading in games, mm-hmm. and I really want them to be in a negative game script so A.J. Brown can get 12 targets in the game because they have to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. They're at a 51.6 pass rate above expectation so they're 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 really where they were at last year they're just more efficient with what they're doing and i really reason, I, I i really want to send them in a negative game script to see jalen hurts have to work through that too yes and, and that and too see how to, that goes to figure out whether or not he is for real or not mm-hmm. um aj brown's definitely gonna get his like you said the touchdowns haven't been there but the targets have he still leads the nfl in a lot of those underlying metrics he's separating like everything else watching mm-hmm. what they did against micah parsons with dallas was really fun where they just rolled aj brown out and then jalen hurts would let parsons come after him and then they would just lop it off to aj brown that's how he scored his touchdown yeah. i like how they're using him and devonta smith is a great compliment to him too that gives him some good opportunities and he's doing that thing where some of the catches he makes on the sideline are insane so mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you. I love him here. Definitely think he still has that overall like top top 10 upside to finish the season. Mm-hmm. All right, we can start zipping through these to get you out of here. Uh, on time, Dalton, who, who's your next guy up? Uh, I went with Devontae Adams. Yep, uh, Raiders too. suck. Derek Carr throws the ball. Their defense can't keep up. I mean, what he did against the Chiefs is exactly what you expect out of Devontae Adams. He gets single covered. They throw him a deep ball. He catches it, scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They're doing what you want them to do with him. He's still one of the most elite talents. The only reason he's behind the rest of these guys is his quarterback's probably worse than everybody on this list, except for maybe Tua and Jalen. But yeah, I think Hurts has proven to be better than Carr so far <laughs> this season. Um, I think Devontae Adams' 2021 MVP trophy might be uh, in in UPS somewhere. Johnny, can you check on that? Can you see if uh, Jalen Hurts is or if, if Devontae Adams' MVP trophy is is in the mail from last season? he put thumbs up he's on it um (laughs) he's not getting the crazy volume that i would have expected so maybe that changes and and helps him out a little bit but he's still over 100 yards three times and he was 95 last week for my money still one of the best receivers in football he's the wide receiver six and there is nothing unsustainable about that if anything i wouldn't be shocked if if he actually outperforms our rank uh, a little bit of him because the volume could could go up uh it's been a little sporadic. We'll, I'll just put it that way. Uh, I guess I need to put him up here on the list. And you said Adam. So my next guy, I think he'll be in your top 24. This is, again, kind of a, a leap of faith. It, it's CeeDee Lamb. For as funny and as fun as the national conversation with Cooper Rush versus Dak Prescott is, it was great to have Dak back. And Dak gives their fantasy weapons a floor and a ceiling which is nice. They had neither one of those things really with, <laughs> with, with Cooper rush at quarterback and, you know, lamb, I think is an elite player. Noah Brown has emerged enough to give defenses, somebody else to pay attention to Gallup has struggled, but hopefully he can get back on track the further he gets away from the ACL tear and get a little bit of that explosion back. Um, he's the wide receiver 15, even with everything that's gone on there so far. I just think like I would, if you asked me, would you bet 20 bucks on Lamb finishing as a top 24 guy from here on? I would say, yeah, absolutely. I, I just feel great about Lamb as a player, and the situation is only going to improve on what it has been so far. Yeah, I agree. He's 12th in NFL in targets, despite them having an insane rush rate right now because they were trying to protect themselves from Cooper Rush, mm-hmm. and they're holding heavily on their defense. You know, touchdowns haven't been there yet. They're going to come. I do expect Dak Prescott to play better than what we've seen in the two games he's played. I think he almost has to. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't, then I think there's a a bigger question about the entirety of the Dallas pass catchers and offense. Um, But yeah, I love him here. I I still think he can come out in like top five in the league in targets, especially down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Your next guy. Yeah. This one was a little tough for me. When you get to the back end, there's so many names you could mention here. Uh, 
I ended up going with DeAndre Hopkins here. It's only oh, he was not on my list. It's only a one-game sample size, so it was tough for me to fit him in here. Uh, but I listened to a little bit of the Underdog Show, and they talked a lot about how Cliff was not just lining him on one side of the field and having him run the same routes. He's moving. They played him in the slot pretty frequently last week. This Cardinals defense does not and cannot stop anybody. They're going to be playing from behind. Like you said, technically, he leads the league in targets per game. Uh, it, obviously, that's a broken stat, but he's the best player on this offense by a mile. Mm. Who knows when Hollywood comes back? Hollywood was getting 16 targets a game. I think Hopkins can easily command that, and I think Murray has – I mean, he's only gotten the field with that connection, in my opinion. It's him and Hurts that this offense goes through. It, it sounds like Hollywood is more like a four to six week type of timetable. And I think the the loom, not that Hollywood's going to come back and be the number one, but he will take away volume from Hopkins when he comes back. And it was, it's honestly just too early. Like I almost didn't even consider him just because I need to see more than one game from Hopkins. Maybe if this was two years ago and, and, and this was the, the two years ago, DeAndre Hopkins, he would just slot right in. But, you know, last year wasn't great for Hopkins, so I, I just need to see a little bit more out of him to really feel confident in a top 24 ranking of him. But you can't argue with it. I mean, the guy the guy has a very proven track record, obviously. So don't hate that call by any means, just uh, a little too early for me. Uh, my next guy, this one I do kind of hate myself for, but we have to put him in the top 24, and that's DeAndre Swift. Uh this is he, he, his stat line or his ranking is looking a lot like Christian McCaffrey from the last two years. When you look at season long rankings halfway through the season and you say, well, he's the RB 38, despite only playing three games this year. And he's averaging 16 points per game. He is seventh at the position in points per game. Like just wait till he comes back healthy. And he's actually sixth in points per game. If you take out Gus Edwards one game. So it is troubling to me that he didn't play after the bye when it seemed like they were like, oh, we're, we're waiting until the bye. We're going to give him that as rest. And then he's going to be back. And then he wasn't back. But this is still like Swift. If he were healthy, he would be number five on this list. Like he was off to an electric start and just hope he can get healthy because he's an awesome player. And I just feel like we have to have him on here because he's been that good when he's been out there. And I just hope he's out there. That's that's really all you can say about him at this point. Yeah, I didn't actually have Swift on my list, and it was strictly injury concern, and I'm a little confused about what his status is. Uh-huh. Like you said, the post by him still not playing is very concerning to me, and I don't really know how they're handling it. And then I couple that with the fact that it seems like they're willing to let Swift do the Nick Chubb thing where he gets to the two-yard line and they're like, all right, Jamal, like you're going to come yep. in and take this over. Maybe that won't us. happen now that Jamal literally dropped the ball on the one-yard line. But You you know, I say that a lot. I think Kareem's cost the Browns a couple of times. It's still him. Um, it's but- funny. It's funny. Dan Campbell said you can't play for us if you fumble the ball. And like his starting quarterback and starting running back both fumbled <laughs> the ball last week. So I'll be curious how, how that one works out. Uh, we've got... Three more guys left and a lot of talented guys not yet on this list, Dalton. Who, who do you have next? So I I didn't want to put any bucks here, but like rest of season, I almost had to expect this offense to get better. And I think in if I were to do real rankings, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will probably be right next to each other. Mm-hmm. I chose Chris Godwin. Um, Me too. He, that, and, and that is like exactly my thinking too. Okay. I, uh, I, 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 I think I would have Godwin like – 22 23 24 something like I, I think i have goblin 22 and i think evans is like literally 25 for me so like not right next but very close yeah and last week was very disappointing for this entire offense um mike evans should have had 14 more points with that touchdown he dropped um and chris godwin had like 13 targets and like 30 total yards yeah. or something only tyree kill has more targets than goblin since he came back from his injury yeah and he's obviously getting hyper-targeted in this offense. It's Tom Brady. I do believe they figure it out. I do believe they get better as the season comes on. And I, I'm willing to bet on the upside of the greatest quarterback of all time and Chris Godwin, who is his safety valve on this offense. Yep, he is the one guy that you trust to work over the middle. He's almost three points per game under his expected fantasy points per game right now per player profile. He is 34th in points per game, 14th in expected points per game. So that makes a big difference. Three doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it, it's a lot. Uh, zero touchdowns for him so far this season. I know he's missed time, but still, like, 
you would think he'd have more than zero touchdowns. So I think there's a lot of regression coming for him in a positive manner. An explosion, in fact, is probably coming pretty soon for Chris Goblin. So I'm I'm in on putting Goblin in these ranks. And then, you know, I got to get Kamara in these ranks for as frustrating as Alvin Kamara has been. Just curious, is, is Kamara in your rankings? No, uh, this is going to be a wild end to this podcast. So, so as frustrating as Kamara's been this season, I just think you have to hang in there knowing it's going to get better. He has zero touchdowns on 101 touches this season. Like, just absurd. And it just feels like the Saints are inventing new ways to avoid letting him score a touchdown every week. Whether it's Mark Ingram, Taysom Hill, like a play-action pass to Jawan... I can't remember the tight end's last name, but Jawan, whatever. Like, they just, they're giving it to everybody besides Kamara inside the goal line, in those goal line situations, and he hasn't had a big play touchdown yet either. I do think Andy Dalton being the quarterback, which he still is as of now for this week, is probably a little bit better for him. More dump-offs in the passing game than with Jameis Winston. Even with no touchdowns and missing two games he's the rb29 he's averaging 12 and a half points per game 12.4 to be exact which is the same number as ceh who is the rb12 right now so he's still producing he's just not scoring touchdowns yeah uh my big faux pas with this is that just how the team is playing and it's just a very inconsistent way of playing mm-hmm. uh with all of that being said my he's actually my 22nd but we'll put him at 24 here is Chris Olave. Wow. Um, not on my list. Uh, yeah. I think he deserves a top 24 ranking. Uh, I'm stealing a lot of what I said with kid Walker here. These players get better as time goes on. It is wild for a rookie to be getting 14 targets in any NFL game this early in their career. Mm-hmm. He is everything we talked about in the off season. He's a separator. He's a vertical stretcher. And as he continues to get better and more line in this offense. I think that there's going to be more opportunities for him. He has one touchdown on the year, despite having, I think the seventh most targets in the NFL. And and by the way, he literally almost died for that touchdown. Yeah. (laughs) He literally got concussed on the touchdown, left the game early and he left that game early and it was against the Seahawks and a lot more points were scored. And he missed the next game and he's still the wide receiver 17. So that like, I don't have him here, but this is not crazy. Not by any means. Yeah, well, and nobody else had him in their top 24 when I went and evaluated it. Um, and that's what, you know, really got to me was I, I think it's a statement. I put him above Michael Thomas to start the season and look mm-hmm. like an idiot for the first three weeks. Guess what? Michael Thomas hasn't played football since then. And he he there's nothing he's not doing. And like the tweet you sent earlier, Matt Harmon talked about it. He's not running like these gimme cake routes where it's really easy for him to get the ball. He's running go routes. He's running deep routes. He's getting wide re- or cornerback one coverages. He's, he's getting the ball thrown to by the death, like the, the dead Jameis Winston and the ghost of Andy Dalton. He's leading the NFL in air yards, even though he's missed a game and a half. I did not know he was leading the NFL in air yards. He's well. still leading the NFL in air yards. It's like 912 it was was last I saw. And that, that's, I, today. that's insane. And the Saints aren't even passing at a, at a, at a high rate. I just – uh, he is the best weapon on their offense right now. He's their best pass catcher. He's their most reliable pass catcher. And it's, he, you know, he's missed a half a game. I don't see how post by, we don't see like a Chris Olave explosion in one of those end of seasons we saw similar to Almiron St. Brown, where all of a sudden he's getting eight really solid catches a game and not these like go deep balls that he's fighting for his life to catch yeah and like truly if he starts scoring just a few more touchdowns that that alone would do it he's been double digit points for the last month even with getting injured in in that one game so yeah i i love the call uh wish i made it myself couldn't quite get him in the top 24 he was in my like kind of next up uh little tier that that i made a couple guys that that missed the list i wanted to mention before we got out of here uh mark andrews despite Having one carry and no receptions, I think, has to at least be considered uh, for this list. Jalen Waddle, I know Tyree Kill is the 1A. He's still the 1B. He's been awesome this year, Waddle, for sure, in that conversation. And then Aaron Jones, like, I know the Packers suck right now, and I know nothing is going right for that offense except for Aaron Jones last week, finally, the week after he was a regression candidate. So feeling pretty happy about that. Hoping Aaron Jones gets more involved as a receiver to hopefully help that entire offense. Dalton, anybody else? you want to mention before we get out of here i do um i really do want to say 
first of all, the other two bucks, Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette net, I think they could both just as likely be mentioned here, yep. especially if that offense gets together. I, I kind of want to give out to, to my guy, Josh Allen. Yep. Like if there's ever been an argument for taking a quarterback in the top two rounds, it might be this year with Josh Allen. His lowest game is 23 points and he's cleared 30 points three times. Mm-hmm. Like the advantage, the, the matchup advantage he's given you is insane. He basically won people a week and a half against the Steelers. Like it yep. is really hard to replicate that with anybody. You know, Jackson's had a 10 point game. Mahomes had an off game. Jalen Hurts has had one game where he wasn't a QB one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really high positional advantage. I would probably take him over like some of these guys who fall in the next round. Um, like I, I might feel better with him than Debo or Michael Pittman at this point, uh, just because of the advantage he's giving you. Yeah. And De- Debo, I put Debo on my initial ranks and then was like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not putting Debo in my top 24. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I can't rank any Niner, but McCaffrey at this point in my top 24 as well. Yep. Dalton, how many games do you think it would take uh, Kyle Pitts to score the amount of points that Josh Allen did against the Steelers? Oh my god, <laughs> that is such a low blow. Maybe, maybe like five games. Uh, I will say, um, there were people who were taking Kyle Pitts in the second round of underdog this offseason, and those people need shamed. Yep, uh, he would be in consideration for the 10th round at this point with, with the way this season has gone. Hopefully, it turns around for him. And I think that is going to do it for episode 88 of the Half Point for Podcast. Give us a follow. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point for Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube if you want to see the two-round draft board. It is in the YouTube video. Uh, the show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, most notably Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Uh, we'll see about a waiver show. Next Monday is Halloween, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, for sure, podcast next week, though. Hope you guys have a good and productive fantasy weekend, and we will talk to you very soon.